Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week, we're reviewing... Mission Impossible, in honour of the fact that the sixth film in the franchise is being released shortly, Mission Impossible Fallout. Joining me to review this 1996 action film, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film and returning to the podcast, it's Aaron Vanderclay. Hello. How are you, Aaron? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, just a reminder for the folks at home, who are you, Aaron, and what do you do? Uh, well, my name is Aaron Van Clay. I'm a freelance filmmaker, and I have a, a film degree, and for some reason have not seen most of the films that we watch here, so <laughs> it's an educational experience. Well, I like to think this is the, the programme that sort of colours in those gaps that the curriculum can't fill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm curious, what do you actually know about Mission Impossible? Because I, I, all I know is that you've, you've seen... Not any of the films in this franchise. Yes, that's correct. I may have seen this film as a child, but I was probably three at the time, so I have no recollection of it. Um, but I know that it was a TV series. I know that Leonard Nimoy was in the TV series, and that's pretty much all. <laughs> okay, that was it. And that was nice and concise in about 15 seconds. So coming into this completely blind, um, I suppose, what are you expecting? Um, lots. I, I'm expecting that this will be like, if James Bond is like a quintessential British secret agent, then Mission Impossible is like the Americanized version of that. Okay. That's, that's my expectation. Well, joining us to tell us how right or wrong that expectation is, it is Mr. Luke Jago. How are you, Luke? Hi, Steve. I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Luke, a reminder for the folks at home, um, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, well, I, I too have a film degree, but I have not used it yet, mm-hmm. and uh, I've it's nothing to do with what I do. I'm a role-play actor. I do role-playing for training situations for many contracts, and I also review films on 6PR. You certainly do. As our official film reviewer on this film review podcast, let's just get an opinion of Mission Impossible, I suppose, in kind of like a... A vague, non-spoilery sort of way. What are your thoughts about this this first film? Uh, I saw it at the movies when it came out. I was uh, thirteen or fourteen and liked it then. But I, you know, it was a confusing plot for for me from my age at the time. And since then, in rewatching it, I just love this film. I love the direction. It's so stylish and slick. Brian De Palma is one of my favourite directors, and mm-hmm. I just love what he did with this film because it's really unlike anything else he's done is his probably most commercial film that he's ever done and i just love what he does with it um and that's probably my favorite thing about this film is the direction of it and the look and the all the technical aspects of it and yeah i i just think it's a a great ride which uh you know lots of twists and turns and lots of slick government spy stuff where does it sit in um in in Brian De Palma's um, back catalogue for you, like is it is it at the very top or is it? It's not at the very top, yeah. but uh, it's up there with uh, like movies like The Untouchables, uh, mm-hmm. Scarface, Colluders Way. But it, it's just a different film. It's just a really commercial slick spy thriller, which is you know for for me De Palma's more of like a seventy style Hitchcockian psychodrama sexual thriller sort of guy. You mm-hmm. know, like movies like Dress to Kill and uh, Body Double and you know, things like that. And whereas this is just a straight up kind of action drama with a movie star, which mm. uh, I think he said himself, uh, he really wanted to do this film because he just hadn't had a commercial hit in a while and he just needed one. So All right. he just well, jumped right into it and did well. Well, I think 20 uh, odd years later with the sick film, the franchise coming out, it might've been a commercial hit. I yeah, think he it started something. Yeah. I think, it? I think yeah. he, I think he did that then. Um, Aaron made a supposition previously that it was, um, the American equivalent of a James Bond. Is that is that a fairly accurate 
statement? It, it's uh, it's slightly accurate, but I think uh, what is most uh, notable about the Mission Impossible films and this this series as well, it was more of a team. It mm. was um, it was all about the team and how they work together to solve these problems in creative ways. So mm. yeah, so it's not really a solo man. Although uh, we'll see Ethan Hunt being on a bit of a solo mission in this one. So that kind of is right in a way, a bit of a James Bond mm. film as well. Yeah, there you go. So looking forward to it now. Absolutely. Okay. Well, shall we jump into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you at home, uh, pop in your DVDs, which will self-destruct in five seconds as we prepare to watch Mission Impossible. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Mission Impossible. And by we, I, of course, mean Luke Jago. Hello. And Aaron Van Der Klee. Hello. Aaron, this was your first time watching a Mission Impossible film. Yes. What did you think of it? I actually really enjoyed it, and I think I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to be uh, going to. I think um, I was expecting sort of like this typical Hollywood action film that we see now, and this is clearly a product of the 90s, and... And yeah, it was far more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that was that was the, the main thing watching it because um, I think the last time I watched it, I would have been about ten or eleven, and I remember the big action set pieces. So I remember the you know the coming down on the wire. I remember the the end with the uh, helicopter in the Channel Tunnel. Um, there's not a huge amount of action in this film, and no, no. it doesn't suffer for not having it. it it's a very well paced film. Yeah, yeah. It's a spot. It's a classic spy thriller done mm. in a classical way like just the way De Palma shoots and edits it's um it's quite European in its look and feel as well like, mm. yeah it's great yeah it's I, I mean I, I found watching the first 20 minutes um, I'm not I've, I've not really watched any of the original TV series but to me, yeah, me the way that it was presented, it felt like it was from a 60s, 70s film, from a film that was, it, to me, it felt a little bit Italian job. You know, when they're sat around explaining yeah. exactly yeah. how they're going to do the job. Yeah. Um, it, it felt like it was from those those heist movies of the 60s and the, and the 70s, things like the original Ocean's Eleven, where yeah. there wasn't really any, um, there wasn't much music. It was literally just six people in a room going, okay, this is how we're going to do this thing, and this is how we're going to do this thing. Yep, and then they do it. Yeah. yeah, and then and then, but then obviously we get the twist of it all going horribly wrong. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Now, what what were you thinking when stuff started going horribly wrong, Aaron? I'm really curious as a first time viewer. So I I genuinely thought that those characters were the ones that we were going to follow through the film. I thought each of them had like little character moments that I was like, oh, it would be interesting exploring like their relationship. I didn't think that Tom Cruise was going to be the main character in it. Uh, that that kind of surprised me because I was kind of expecting that, and I was like, "Oh, you know, it's a, it's a exactly as you said, like a heist film, and you know, there's a team." Um, but yeah, so when it went wrong, I was like, "Oh, that's pretty brave to kill off most of the main characters that we've seen mm. in the space of yeah. a couple of minutes, especially Emilio Estevez." Yeah, well, he gets a, a lift to the face. <laughs> that so. was an interesting bit of casting, I think. Like, it's almost mm. like a bit of stunt casting to go like, "Hey, yeah. hey, look, Emilio Estevez is in this movie." Like, yeah. it wasn't even announced, or you know, in it wasn't in the trailers or anything. And then it's yeah. like, "Oh, Emilio Estevez, oh, that's good." Yeah. And then. Bam, it gets his face squashed. Yeah. Well, he's not even in the, the top credits for this film. No, um, well, he's uncredited. Yeah, which is yeah. really weird because it's Emilio Estevez. It's, it's yeah. you know, everyone goes, is that Charlie Sheen? No, wait, is that Michael Sheen? No, yeah, it's Emilio Estevez. It's Emilio Estevez, um, the but, other Sheen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Sheen without the name. That's uh, right. But yeah, he's, um, yeah, I mean, you quite like his character. I feel if this film's being made today, Alan Tudyk would be playing that character. If, yeah, that's, yeah. It's a good, yeah. Just very much Last like, one. you know, like slightly, you know, comedy type psychic and com- comedic in at least you know he's a little bit flirty he's like yeah. oh guys i'm trying my hardest that kind of thing yeah um i wonder because i i haven't seen any of the other mission impossible films this is the only one that i've actually oh, seen at all uh, yeah at all oh, right. but i am aware that obviously in the more recent one simon pegg is coming as a regular recurring yes. character yes is that character my, my guess com- my guess is that relief. yeah it yeah. would be the ca- the comic relief yeah. is is that character essentially if Emilio Estevez had lived, if Jack was still around. That's a good, yeah, that's a okay. safe assumption. I'd say that would be the case, yeah. Cool. Okay, that was just like a feeling I was getting watching this and knowing what is to come in the series. Yeah, it's, um, it's strange. I think De Palma and even the script writers were 
that was a specific bit of casting. They just wanted to have that surprise there. And I think Emily Westervez, although they were using his celebrity, his career was kind of on the going on the downslide. I'll like, be honest, I can't really think of anything he's done well, since yeah, this. I mean, Young Guns was his big, sort of Young Guns 1 and 2 were and his that was big movies. That was supposed to, yeah, Young Guns? yeah. That was supposed to make him a star, mm. you know. And it's been just a slight decline and... He's more focusing on directing now anyway, and that's what he really likes to do. So uh, it's it's funny. It's just a funny, weird bit of uncredited <laughs> casting that mm. I think pays off, you know, to get his face spiked, and you're like, oh, well, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, so, not at all. Yeah. Gross Mm. And the rest of the team gets killed off. We see um, Jim, uh, well, we see from his perspective the him getting shot in the stomach and then falling off the bridge. And, you know, you're like, oh, crap, John Voight's gone in like 20 minutes as well. Yeah. Ooh. You really felt for it because it happened so quickly. Mm. And, yeah, it, it was it was very good misdirection. Yeah. And that's just it. Like, you, did you fall for it? Because yeah, I it, did completely. Okay, cool. Because I remember first time watching this as a kid going, whoa, he's alive. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very surprised about it. And the fact that they bring him back essentially twice, and the first time you think, oh my god, he's alive, and it's like, oh, it was just a dream. Mm. Yeah. So when the second time it happens, I was like, oh, it's just another dream. Although yeah. it does make me think, the fact that, obviously, we, we know that, you know, Jim and Claire were working together to play Ethan. Was that a dream, or did he actually come back and, like mess with his head so, while he was half asleep. <laughs> it was all psychological. That's a whole other movie, yeah. which it's like Inception. Yeah, yeah. just just a thought. Mission just impossible. came back and then quickly ducked out and climbed It's a nice there. fan theory, Steve, mm. and, and maybe maybe that's one that can be put out, out there on the interwebs. All right, I yeah. will throw it out there. Um, look, the, the main plot of this film just seems to be that there's this knock list. Uh, it's this list of uh, agents um, out in the field and their code names and their identities. And their true and names. Yeah. If, this, if this gets out, it's going to be very, very bad. It, it it's interesting that it feels like it's it's a reasonably simple story, yeah. But it's told in a very layered and complicated way. Like the events really overlap. Um, and I, I, even though I knew what was coming, I did find it a little tricky to follow at times. Did you feel that? Yes, I definitely did. In fact, at one point, I was like, I feel like I need to go on Wikipedia and like see the synopsis of the film just to understand what was going on before. We started talking again. However, by the end of the film, I understood what went on. Mm. So that was yeah, good. It was, that was resolved. One of the major criticisms, I think, when it first came out, it did very well, mm. and you know, pe- people loved it because I mean, the great action set pieces just kind of made up for any, you know, kind of confusion that maybe people had. But it was something that was almost joked about. I remember MTV Awards at the time. You know, when they had. You know, uh, like Ben Stiller and Jack Black doing skits of the the movies of the time, mm. and um, and I think one of them was they were referencing Mission Impossible about how convoluted and confusing the plot was. But mm. it's really is you just have to listen mm. really hard. There's yeah. lots of little clues given away, which are almost just thrown away in the dialogue, mm. and you realise that's actually really important. Over many repeated viewings that I've watched, I'm like, that is so important, and they've just thrown it away, and mm. and then you get to the whole revealing of what Ethan is imagining in his mind, but mm. he's saying something else. Yeah, yeah. and that definitely confused That's me. That's <laughs> completely new. Yeah. Like, I've, I've never seen that before or since, you know, no, introduced I've... in such a mm. random way where they're introducing this kind of editing flashback technique, but you've seen the flashback, but he's saying something different, mm. and... Jim's in the flashback, and it's like, well, what what does Ethan believe? I, I found that very confusing when I first mm. saw it, and um, but I've since realised it's actually quite a brilliant scene. Mm. It it is fantastic, but I do wonder if perhaps it's something that would have benefited from being slightly better signposted. I don't know how. No, I, it possibly could have been just mm. from that initial viewing, I think. But yeah. in repeated in repeated viewing, because I've I've watched this many times and I love it, uh, it is perfectly done and mm. i think it rewards repeated viewings um when you do know what's going on and it's just like every little subtle facial tick from each of those actors as they're talking to each other mm. s- speaks volumes because tom cruise is saying one thing but you can see in his face that he's trying to cover up yeah. that he knows and yeah. and you can see john voigt looking at him going does he know and it's all told with facial expressions mm. and the, when you know that and you watch that Brilliant acting from both of them and brilliant editing. You know, it, yeah. it's great. It is quite a slick film. It's quite slick in how it is yeah. put together with the editing. Um, but I also, I, about two-thirds of the way through, I also noted that this is this film 
despite having a very iconic theme tune, yeah. doesn't really have much in the way of a soundtrack. There are obvi- there are long sections of silence. Obviously, yes. the the wire sequence has to be in silence because yeah. of the sound detector that's in that vault. But even um, just some dialogue scenes, dialogue and, scenes yeah. towards the end of the film uh, on the train. Yeah. Um, you know, when they're up on the actual train roof, you've just you've just got the sound of the English countryside yeah, whizzing. The first past half them. of it is great, isn't it? Like, yeah, it just really gets you into that uh, moment. Yeah, yeah, love, I love that. And then the, the music obviously kicks in after it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the music, you know, the bam, 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 really kicks in <laughs> when Ethan and um, Jim are both hanging off the bottom of the helicopter while Jean Renault is trying desperately to to do probably the most impossible thing in the film and fly a helicopter <laughs> yeah. through the channel the tunnel. tunnel. <laughs> Um, very well, very well. He he did do quite well there. Yeah, um, they, do. they they earn they it's like they earn the theme tune. I think it plays maybe three times in yeah. the whole movie. One the opening credits, two when they've just uh, busted out the knock list out of Langley, mm. and then three at the end where it's just like you they're delaying it right into that last moment, and it's like we've earned it, and we're, this is a Mission Impossible moment, yeah. and yeah. we're going for it. And that's exactly how I felt watching it because mm. it got to that point, and I was like, where the hell is this music? Like. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be in the wire sequence. Mm. Clearly, the memory like cheats on that front. But yeah, and right when I was like, I need the music, yeah, it came it through. Came it right. delivered. <laughs> Danny yeah. Elfman's such a brilliant uh, scorer. And mm. got a different movie of him. He's usually doing Tim Burton movies and whimsical fantasy stuff. Yeah. And then he comes in and just does this admittedly over-the-top score, mm. I think. But... It's uh, it's perfect for the tone that's that's being created. So, mm. and then there's moments of silence, like you said, mm. uh, complemented as well with that big brash score. Yeah, on a performance level, we haven't really spoken much about uh, the actors beyond how well Emilio Estevez gets killed by a lift. Um, <laughs> we we should probably talk about the fact that this is Tom Cruise, and it, it you know it's it, Tom Cruise is one of the most recognisable Hollywood actors on the planet. Yeah, um, and is well known these days for films with lots of stunts for doing things like these Mission Impossible films for uh, the Mummy film that last year, which was, um, whilst it tanked, it was still, you know, him There was that one scene where he did that big stunt. Like every every movie. Every Mission Impossible movie has got that one scene. Mm. But this seems to be, I mean, this is where it really started for him. In a way, it's almost like he had a a second breakout role. Yeah, well, this I mean, this movie is all Tom Cruise. I mean, it's his first one that he produced as well with his production partner, Paula mm. Wagner. Mm. And you could you, you could tell this is just something that he wanted to own and this is going to be his franchise that, mm. yeah, he wanted to continue with. How did you feel he was in this film, though, Aaron? Obviously, like, was it, was it distracting because obviously we're 20 years down the track and Tom Cruise is so recognisable. Um, yeah, it still looks the a, same. Uh, yeah, weird that, um, as, <laughs> as a big star. But is it um, is, is it one of those things that, did it pull you out of the film a little bit, or did you feel as though he, he inhabited Ethan Hunt very well? I did, you know, it didn't pull me out of it at all. I literally believed him from the start. Um, yeah, I didn't have any sort of preconceptions. I thought I would have this sort of, how we think of Tom Cruise now, mm. but no, it completely, I was completely sold by his performance and it was and it was also interesting to understand because I'd sort of read about the production before watching it that um, yeah it was his first film um, sort of making foray as a producer mm. and and I think I assumed that it was something that he was cast in and then he sort of kept bringing back on his own because um, that's how I sort of see him now but but to find out that it was sort of his baby and he was on board at the start that was quite interesting mm, yeah and it's i mean just from my perspective watching this i thought that he was um he was fine uh you know he was it's a bit of a hard one playing your lead in a spy thriller uh particularly when it's not a james bond because james bond almost plays by an entirely different set of rules to the point where yes. you can have roger moore on a gondola that turns into a car and a pigeon does the double take and no one yeah. bats an eyelid yeah. um, because James Bond has this capacity to be wacky whereas things like Mission Impossible, um, the Bourne series, um, even things I'd say like uh, Taken yeah. um, it's it's a really tricky line I think to, to play those parts well because they're kind of all the same dude in a lot of ways yeah, and it's very serious, very mm. skilled 
um, yeah. yeah, no, not a lot of time for jokes. Very good romance. at stroking a dying woman's hair. Yeah, very, um, they're all very, very passionate. Good at that. Very passionate. Yeah, yeah that passionate kind of thing. in death. But but yeah. in in like where is Tom Cruise? I guess in in the kaleidoscope of like him, Matt Damon, Liam Neeson, uh, you know, all these people who play these sort of those certain roles. Those those types of roles. Yeah. Well, look, I I just think. Um, I don't know, like Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Cruise, they're just good actors that can deliver the script and deliver it believably. Mm. I mean, that's and that's his talent, and he and he can pitch his performances at any place he wants to, or he wants a full ten or a subtle two. Um, but it, it, the skill with with Tom Cruise is that he makes it believable, and that's why. I think um, at the start of the film, when everything starts going wrong, you can see the frustration because that, and I'm feeling that stress and frustration when he's talking to um, Sarah and hitting the wall and just like, what do we do? Like, he wants to go and save Jim, and she's like, no, we've got to abort. And he's just like, just listening for any any clue of what to do, and you can see that frustration in his face, and you can feel that stress. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's really hard to do, you know, like he's. He's not a character actor, you know. I mean, I don't know. Tropic Thunder maybe is the his most different role, mm. and you get a little bit of his uh, Tropic Thunder pre stuff in this with yeah. all the rubber masks. Well, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> they love the masks. Mm. In the, I Mask think reveal. It's such a it's such a gimmick of the Mission Impossible franchise. I mm. think you know that was obviously goes back to the TV show. Um, I think it was used quite well though. Oh, me too. I, me yeah. too. I think whether it's a kind of a nod, 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 wink, wink sort mm. of thing, you know, slightly cheesy, but. I, but I still think it's done very well. And, yeah. um, and particularly at the end with um, Claire yeah. in the baggage yeah. carriage talking to who she thinks is her husband, Jim, and then just pulls the rubber off and it's Tom Cruise and she's yeah. going, uh-oh. Oh. There was even I'm a cool. little bit where he was, when he's posing as a senator and he goes to take off the mask mm. and he just pulls the rubber slightly and then it cuts. Mm. Yeah. And it was just little, like, like, you know, we've hint. seen it. You don't have yeah, to see yeah, it all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw that, because it looked like he pulled off a little chunk and then it snapped, I think maybe... He just yanked it wrong, and they just chose to make the cut <laughs> there. Because the, Brian De Palma's just like, shit, these masks are super expensive. Well, I suppose that character was, yeah. like, face, like his face was quite similar to the... Like, it was just him in old age makeup. Yeah. Like, it yeah. wasn't... Like he, he was supposed he, to be a different character. And technically played two different mm. roles in this film, really, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, because he obviously was played that the guy. guy on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it, I mean... Yeah, it was interesting that they had these gadgets, like the, the the glasses with the cameras, the the chewing gum that explodes. They didn't have a lot of them though. No, they and didn't. They yeah, used them a lot less than I was remember. expecting. Yeah. It was yeah. going to be gadgety But yeah. the one of the things that was, I think, potentially overplayed was the internet. Yeah, oh, man, it's so dated, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah. It's so 1996, funny. Aaron. The internet yeah. is going to yeah. be it big. Was just about to kick off. Yeah, but just like you mean, like the search engines and yeah, all that. Yeah, every sort of single bit every of exposition. Mm. Like text was on like a monitor and things like that. Yeah, seeing yeah. the email icon send and then come yeah. back and things like that. But, but I mean, you look at how the internet is portrayed in films in that time yeah. period. Exactly the internet that. was yeah, it was still yeah. a new and marvelous thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, I mean, uh, Aaron's a little bit younger than the two of us, <laughs> Jay. Um, yeah. But Jago, you remember. Um, you remember the nineties? I yes, yeah. I do <laughs> really, and, really all too well. And, yeah. Um, and I'd like to quote um, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. I was like, what the f*** is the internet? <laughs> and, and, I, and, and then I learned and how yeah. great it is. Um, that, well, that's why. I mean, this these films, they actually do follow in a consistent order. It's not like they forget that that film happened or whatever. Mm. They are consistent. So it's this is like a period piece, you know. It's yeah. like set in that time because it was made in that time. It's a product of its time. Um, and obviously, as the movies progressed, technology does as well, and then it gets even more and more far out and wacky. Yeah. I think, yeah. though, it was definitely not like the worst offender in terms of using the internet within films. No. And I think it's clearly storytelling devices. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's maybe like seeing him send the emails to all 126 Bible-based websites that he found in the archive was yeah. maybe like mm. this would be shorter in a modern film. Um, but I like I like that. You know, it's yeah. like well, that's how. They, what you would have had to do just yeah. use and spend all that time and yeah there was and no that's a plot point as well because yeah, he then yeah. he gets really tired and starts wigging out and then has that hallucination mm. yeah there was no send all option so no, no, no. yeah there probably there probably would have been one though possibly but yeah. he didn't know he wasn't the computer guy but he's but he's so <laughs> smart and he's yeah he could have just highlighted that text and yeah <laughs> whatever language he wanted to put it in but we have to show you how smart he is right yeah. and then he can just literally he knows all these languages and can type them 
because he's so cool. He is so cool. Um, speaking of the hackers, though, um, we had um, Ving Rhames. Marcellus Wallace. Yeah, Marcellus Wallace, as we were saying. He turned up and uh, was much more polite in this film, but yeah. was still just an undeniably cool hacker. Um, and yeah. I think they purposely went that as well. I read that um, they just wanted to do the opposite of what you'd expect a real hacker to look like. They wanted to just yeah. have a complete... yeah. Um, badass, I think, is exactly. the term you're looking for. That is um, the actual term. And he's, you know, he's also in like peak '90s um, black guy fashion. You know, it's and he's the very suave. With he's his yeah. high mock turtleneck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and also piercings in that. I can't remember. Oh, he I didn't, did he? That's Marcellus Wallace. That's Marcellus yeah. Wallace. Yeah, I can't that, remember if he had earrings. Yeah, well, he had, the, he had the little soul patch and yeah. and completely and the shaved head. on the back of his head. Obviously, yeah, yeah that yeah. was still there. Yeah, oh, wait. Clinton hadn't pulled it off. So, but yeah, it was. Did he say I'm pretty? Far from okay to Ethan Hunt, didn't he? <laughs> uh, he should have done. Yeah. He should have done on that train. That would have been amazing. Um, but he was he was great, and I really liked him and um, and John Renault coming in as friends as well. Um, yeah. I thought they were they were great, and they you know they're two very solid actors. Um, yeah. Just you know playing their parts in this in this action film. But I found them. I just think the casting was really good. I I think rewatching this film though. It is interesting that the thing that people really latched onto in terms of the pop culture thing was the vault sequence and in in, in mm. Langley and specifically the wire work. Yes, um, it was a very, quite impressive. Scene. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know about you, Aaron, but watch, watching this um, for the first time in a long time for myself, I think perhaps the reason that that was picked up on more than anything else is that it's maybe the most visually interesting part of the film. The way that it's shot with um, you know, lots of angles directly above the floor. And the fact that the floor's got that... Um, Reflective surface. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well, it changes as well. Like, when the alarms are on, it goes all 2001 A Space yeah. Odyssey. And when mm. it's off, it goes a bit Death Star looking. Um, I, I don't know. How did, it, how did it feel for you as a first-time viewer? I think that sort of... When you think Mission Impossible, that's the sequence that you think of. Mm. And that's why... I, yeah, and it was completely different to what I expected it to be. Mm. I thought it was going to be quite slick, and it, it was quite realistic, I suppose. Like, it, things went wrong in that sequence. Mm. Um, that rat almost got yeah. to John Renault. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you think he killed the rat? Just that well, Yeah, like, he kills it off screen. Just I just anger. I, I, ma- I imagine he literally just grabbed it and gave it a little squeeze. Yeah, I think he... I'm going to go with a bite, because that... He bit that's it. what I thought as well. Yeah, because the, yeah. the knife that he drops was clean, so... Yeah, there's no rat blood on it. He wouldn't have had time to clean so it. Maybe part part squeeze, part yeah. chompy chomp, <laughs> or maybe he just like crushed its little neck crushed with his thumb. Yeah. His baby like, little thorax, yeah, like a great. <laughs> and we didn't hear the scream. That's true. That's true. He would have had to have muffled the mouse, yeah. the, the rat, so we didn't hear the scream. I guess it was all part of the suspense of the editing and everything. Yeah. They just they show certain things. I mean, it wasn't moving, but it may not have been dead. He could have stunned it. <laughs> yeah, what's scared like? Oi. Yeah, well, you know how Crocodile Dundee calms down yeah. a buffalo uh, with the hand. Yeah, maybe, I love that scene. Maybe he did that to the rat. He just turned around. That's why he had to drop the rope. He had to go, little rat, look at that, little rat, <laughs> and the rat's just and just fell over. Yeah, so he didn't he didn't yeah. kill the rat. I definitely think it was a vital plot point that was missed out on screen. Yeah, yeah. I did actually ever since a kid watching that. I always wondered how did that. I wanted yeah. to see that rat die. You know, it's mm. funny. Maybe um, the film was just overrunning and they thought we need to cut we one got to sequence. cut one second yeah. out. <laughs> we need to cut the bit where he flicks the rat on he the eye. He flicks the rat. Doing, doing, boing. <laughs> he constructs uh, a tiny or he just, acme anvil yeah. above it. And just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hypnotizes it or whatever. <laughs> Crocodile um, Dundee. Hey, yeah. standing by. Hey. Right. Yeah, exactly. Stay tuned. St- we will. Yeah. Um, um, but I just want to say about that sequence, or I want to ask Aaron actually, because when I f- when I saw that in the movies, I was literally on the edge of my seat. I mean, obviously, you know, with a big screen, with the sound and and the use of silence. Yeah. Uh, I found it one of the most suspenseful uh, scenes that I'd seen in a long time, and I still do. And I'm just wondering, did you uh, get that sense at all watching it just on this? Oh, small absolutely. Screen? Especially like the intercutting between like the guy in the bathroom and then. Um, what was going on in the vent, um, and then like especially with like the um, sweat dripping from his glasses, and yeah, you're just like, it's like one how bead. is he gonna do this? Yeah, and then two beads, yeah, yeah. Mm. But oh, yeah, I good. definitely, I definitely enjoyed that sequence. That's good. I'm was glad it's still effective. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I also think the guy who was the um, the guy who's meant to be guarding that room, William yeah. Donlow. Yes, thank yeah. you. Um, he, the, the the actor who did that. 
that's some of the best like slightly incompetent schlubby guard yeah. acting I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, it always made me laugh when he hmm. just starts getting a bit sick and he's like, oh. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> but he does play it. I, I think it's a really underrated talent because obviously a lot of people who work in in films like this and in big, you know, these, these sort of even these bit part characters are usually people who are you would say like classically good looking or like you know they've they've got very particular styles. Mm. This guy was just so natural. He looked like yeah. like three or four other people I've met in life. Where I'm like, <laughs> I bet they'd be that incompetent yeah. as well. He, well. he looked like a typical CIA analyst geek. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, I think and there's a few roles like that, like part of Kittridge's team, you know, the guy with the big ears and the bow tie. Yeah. Like, but he, that later on, he's got a gun and a white trench coat and yeah. he's looking badass but yeah yeah just a specific like an analyst sort of look yeah yeah, yeah no, you think... expected him to be a dad with three kids yeah, yeah. absolutely like a real guy yeah. he's yeah. gonna but go this is what he does when he goes yeah. at work he's gonna he's... go home and pack his bag for alaska well exactly yeah. he's gonna go to the wife <laughs> and go oh laura i lost my job <laughs> i'm in alaska laura <laughs> come on we're gonna relocate kids <laughs> um and similarly Yay! Bit, bit part characters who i thought were fantastic um david schneider as the train driver in the channel <laughs> Is that David It's Schneider? David Schneider, I didn't, didn't yeah. even know. I didn't realise. Yeah, no, it's time. him. Looking more like... Um, David Schneider always, to me, looks like he is the human version of the rat from Ratatouille. <laughs> and the actual... What, yeah, Remy? The yeah, human yeah. version. If Remy got turned into a human, it's David Schneider. <laughs> oh, wow. He, he does have that perfect face for that yeah, role, though, didn't he? I just love him in the back of the, the train, just going, mm. go! Yeah. Stop it! Accelerate! And then perfect comedy faint after yeah. uh, after the whole sequence. Yeah, I thought they might have been pushing it a little bit with the, the comedy moment there, but I think it actually ends on a nice note like just that little mm. hey we're, we're still having a bit of fun here yeah, we're yeah. okay it's okay yeah. we're okay it's yeah. all cool yeah it's all right yeah, yeah. yeah. only John Voigt got smushed on the track that's yeah. fine oh, that's pretty, it's pretty brutal isn't yeah. it I didn't realize you can see it in great detail on the uh, Blu-ray edition oh yes thank you for bringing <laughs> the Blu-ray stunning Blu-ray my pleasure yes um, so yeah ultimately though it's a pretty good fun film I've always loved it, and I'm I'm just glad to hear that it, it somewhat stands up still after yeah, 20, 22 years. Mm. Where does it sit on your Mission Impossible ranking? This is great. I, I love this. It's a shame you guys haven't seen that's any okay. other we'll, ones, but we'll we'll take your ranking and and sort yeah, of know yeah. what to expect. Like honestly, this one is my favorite. Mm. Like it's the the one I've watched the most. Obviously, it's the first one, and I've just come to love it more and more. Just as I've started watching more and more films, going to film school, you know, discovering Brian De Palma and all these seventies directors, and just seeing how uh, a director who's usually yeah known for doing psychosexual thrillers, mm. you know, um, and still seeing the same sort of visual techniques, but used in this um, kind of commercial uh, form format. Mm. Uh, I just, I just love it. I love how this movie is shot. Like, I love the framing and the simple classical nature of how he covers his scenes, um, using lots of POV, steady, steady cam stuff. Yeah. Um, mm. Really love all that stuff. So this, this one for me is probably my favourite. And then, and then it goes somewhere between um, four and five. You know, four. Uh, oh. Ghost Protocol, directed by Brad Bird, who did The Incredibles and Ratatouille. Right. It was his first live-action movie, and you can see his style all, all over that film. It's just real fun, mm. beautifully um, choreographed action photography. Mm. And 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 then Simon Pegg is introduced as well, and that adds a little bit more humour and things like that. And some great gadgets in that film. Oh, my God, you guys. you should. We should do every episode. <laughs> of, we should do every film. We should do all the rest yeah, of the Mission Impossible. We should. And um, even if I'm not here, you, yeah, you definitely should do them. They're, they're great fun. Okay. And then the one after that... Um, uh, what is it called? Uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Hmm. Uh, equally good for different reasons. It just they brought in another director. Every movie has a different director, except yeah. for the last one. They repeated the same director, Christopher McQuarrie. So he's he done back. five and six. He's done five and six. Okay. Yeah. But he added something really rough and raw and edgy to five. Um, he did Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise, which, oh, yeah. um, which I actually quite like i think mm. it's a really solid action movie and the second one's a piece of dog shit but <laughs> the first one's first one. actually quite good is enough. the first one the one with Werner herzog yes right okay you must chew off your finger oh i did it i don't Why want, can't you i don't want to Werner. Well, well you must oh no i can't believe you choose that over the alternative 
And that's a little bit of a live film recreation for you there, folks. Um, so yeah, four and four and five, yeah. they're kind of equal for me. Mm. Um, three, yeah, okay, JJ Abrams' first of each feature film and a solid effort. Mm. Part two, one of the biggest turds in history right. of all time. I mean, I like John Woo. I was a big fan. He did Face Off, and I love Face Off. As ridiculous and bullshit as that movie is, uh, really fun. I thought he was going to bring the same sort of. Um, uh, sense of fun to the second one and it was just uh, I don't even know how to describe it so that is the worst one out well, of I think of them. you've used the word dog turd previously I d- yeah, yeah. So I'm trying, I don't have any more adjectives that's all good we'll stick with uh, we'll pick a different animal uh, duck Duck turd. Duck turd. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it's a duck. It's the duck turd. And so the, the sequels to Mission Impossible, do they somehow relate to this first film at all? Or um, there are little subtle nods, I think, especially um, just with uh, even you know his call sign in this when he first his team's getting killed and he calls up at the phone box and he's like, "Go your call sign." He's like, "Bravo Echo One One," and that's repeated later in Rogue Nation. Yeah. Like it's, it's still his same call sign. Just one thing, because we haven't really touched on. Um, well, we haven't really touched on any of the female characters in this film because there kind of only is two, and yeah, they're sort of One there's, of them a, there's dies straight away. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I was two thinking of two of them, and then yeah. I was thinking specifically of Max as played by oh, Vanessa sure. Redgrave. Yeah, no, not even Chris and Scott Thomas. Yeah, yeah. So Max and um, Max um, is yeah. d- d- just yes or no. Does Max come back in any of the other ones? No. Right. Okay. Damn. It's a shame, though. Yeah. Right? It would yeah. be really fun and nice. The way it was set up at the end of the film with her and Kittredge saying yeah. maybe we can arrange something. Yes. I was going sequel. Hey. <laughs> like, yeah. Six is still coming out. Well, Fallout. True. I reckon there's. Vanessa room. Redgrave's still kicking it at is eighty-one. Yeah, she's she eighty-one. She's still well going. Done. Max so, is yeah. going strong. She could come back. You know what? Her. You know her long-haired goon that he that he has yeah. to meet with the match. And yeah. The, um. He pops up in oh. Ghost Protocol oh, as a really? as a goon, but he's obviously found new new employer. Yeah. But so that was that was a nice. Nod, was he I the thought. same goon? Or was he I'm playing? I'm pretty a sure because they have a moment like Ethan and him look at each other and he's like hands him the shroud. Yeah. And <laughs> so he's this like, is familiar. Okay, this yeah. again. I remember you. Oh, that's brilliant. Who are you working for now? Yeah. So they're definitely, yeah, yeah they're, they're, I think all the filmmakers are fans of the first mm-hmm. one. Even John Woo, he didn't want to do the second one because he's like, Brian De Palma is such a master of suspense. Why would I want to step into his shoes? And mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is like, no, the idea with these movies, we want to do a different sort of movie every time. This mm-hmm. one's a full-blown action movie um and that's why we're asking you because you're the master of that so he accepted and it just didn't work out well i don't think so but there are a lot of fans of that movie because it is it is big dumb ridiculous fun and you could watch it with quite a few beers and actually have a good time okay so so okay well we'll... not not totally wasted okay but still a duck turd absolutely dark turd okay uh would you guys like some trivia about mission impossible yes please while filming the famous scene where Tom Cruise drops from the ceiling and hovers inches above the ground, Cruise kept hitting his head on the floor because uh, they couldn't get the weight right. Uh, he ended up putting coins in his shoes for balance uh, to stop his head hitting the floor. But I just like to imagine there is an outtake reel somewhere of just, just going, constant bonk. head hitting. Yeah. Yeah. And then someone was like, oh my God, how are we going to fix this? Yeah. Tom, I just lo- I love those pockets. stories though. Yeah, it's like the simplest <laughs> remedy sometimes is on these big budget movies, the little, little simple things can mm. rectify it. Put it's some great. coins in your shoes, Tom. Just, yeah, try that. Yeah, okay. Coins in my shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that. Quentin Tarantino was playing. <laughs> okay, Tom. This film has the honour of being the last motion picture from a major studio to be released for home video on Betamax. Whoa. Whoa! I didn't know Betamax even survived to '96. It did. That's this was amazing. the final uh, Betamax film in a videotape cassette format, which exploded after five seconds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a fitting sender. Hopefully, yeah. they weren't yeah. sponsored by yeah Betamax. You'd hope not. Well, they were definitely sponsored by Apple. The amount of Apple yeah, computers yeah, that were they not were, going yeah, and uh, floppy disks. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, you know, those I, were the days. Actually, no. that is something I want to bring up. The when they put that bloody floppy disk in the drive, and it's like, no, you'd clean it. You'd, yeah. you'd, oh, you're the blo- with the 
bloody. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, sorry, not bloody in the English. No, yeah, sense. exactly. I'm not <laughs> David Schneider on the show. Bloody. <laughs> well, it is. I'll tell you what. Yeah. No. Uh, the actual bloody. Well, I think it was way more bloodier when you first saw it in the mm-hmm. hand at the gate, and I think they'd maybe just give give a quick once, or, once, <laughs> once over. over but they thought they, that'll do. You mm-hmm. know, can't yeah. get those little bits out. I don't have nappy sand. Oh, what kind of operation was Max running? Was... <laughs> well, she got caught. Yeah. Um. Red-handed. Mm. Uh, <laughs> The trick with the disappearing and reappearing CD that Ethan has, uh, does to fool Franz is not a camera trick or a visual effect. It's a genuine sleight of hand Real, trick yeah. that Tom Cruise learned. Yep, I can believe that. I believe yeah, that. Another cool. stunt that he learned for the film. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They should have based the whole EPK around yeah. that. Nicole Kidman that at that time would have been like, what are you doing, Tom? Stunt work. And he's just <laughs> flicking CDs around. She's just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Um, the formidable task of lighting Prague at night presented the cinematographer Stephen Burham uh, and his crew uh, with a complex array of logistics. Uh, two miles of Ritherfront on either side of Prague's uh, Charles Bridge had to be predominantly backlit in order to best evoke the atmosphere of old Europe, which is obviously mm. what they were going for. Mm. Uh, the preparation alone took two weeks before the 12-day shoot wow. along the banks of the river uh, began. 11 generators were used to power hundreds of lights, and it was so impressive that amateur and professional Czech photographers kept appearing for um, the filming, uh, trying to get pictures of the city nightscape, because they'd never seen it like that before. Wow, well, that's really cool. Mm. I like that. And it yeah. looked great. It did, didn't it? It yeah. was like a kind of a, a neo-noir sort of yeah. feel, like with the smoke yeah. and the fog. And yeah. silhouettes, yeah. Really cool. Uh, speaking of Tom doing his own stunts, uh, as well as the CD case, um, the scene that takes place in the glass-walled restaurant with the big lobster tank um, was Tom Cruise's idea. And uh, there was 16 tonnes of water in the tanks, and there was a concern that when detonated, a lot of glass would fly around. Brian De Palma tried the sequence with a stuntman, but it didn't look convincing, and in the end, Cruise did it, despite the fact he could have drowned, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I, I've, I've, yeah, I've known that that was a real stunt, and it looks, and you can tell, he just, it looks real. He's really running away from all that water, and yeah. and all the great. fish, coming yeah, out. all the fish, yeah, yeah that other the reverse fish. shot, yeah, that was, yeah, it was lovely. Really cool. Um, despite being praised for its over-the-top action, only five gunshots occur in the entire film. Yeah, restraint. And it's not really that gory either. No. no. So. And two of them were... Um, well, one was fake blood. Well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, two of them were John Voight just trying to yeah, just get going. himself. So I, yeah. I think, yeah, that's one of the things I think I quite liked was that the guns weren't used that much. No, because they are used... <laughs> Way more in the sequels, I'll tell you that. When yeah. John Woo gets his hands well, on Well, I mean, that's probably the biggest culprit. And even the third one, which is, as I said, pretty good. Um, yeah, a lot of gun play mm. in that, yeah. Uh, Martin Lando, who portrayed uh, role in hand in the original TV series, expressed his own disgust concerning this film. Because obviously it doesn't contain yeah. any of the original Mission Impossible I think a lot of them had a crew. problem with... Yeah. Um, in an interview with MTV in 2009, Lando stated... When they were working on an early incarnation of the first one, not the script they ultimately did, they wanted the entire team to be destroyed and done away with uh, one at a time, and I was against that. It was basically an action-adventure movie and not mission. Mission was a mind game. The ideal mission was getting in, getting out without anyone ever knowing we were there. So the whole texture changed. Why volunteer to essentially have our characters commit suicide? I passed on it. And he also uh, condemned the writer, saying the script wasn't that good either. Uh, look, I, I uh, um, agree and disagree at the same time with that. Um, it's, and I think Brian De Palma always maintained that this is going to be a different mm. movie. It's going to be different from the series. Yeah. And I actually do remember one moment from the original series watching it at home when I was uh, maybe seven or eight. So obviously it's a, a rerun and just my folks were watching it. And it was the end of a, uh, an episode called Submarine. Mm. And... I remember, you know, being little and a little bit confused at the end because they had this guy that they were working on. They kept, you know, knocking him out with, you know, drugs or whatever and then changing the clocks and the time. And then there was this, you know, the submarine you think is in a big storm and they're trying to get information out of him. And then when it when it's all over, they get what they need. All the, all the walls fall away and you realise that you've been in this warehouse the whole time. And, it's um, like at the start of this film. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So that was maybe not. And I just found that, so cool as a kid to watch that and go, oh my god, what what a great 
twist. You know, these guys, they this this is what they do, and then they yeah, they like he says, they just drift away. They get in and out, and you mm. don't know that they were there. And there's an element of that in this film, but it is essentially an action film. But I think it would have been kind of cool to have all the cast back it and would, then killed but, straight away. But at the same time, like that would have been cool because obviously the only reoccurring character is Jim. Yeah, and like you can imagine, if you played Jim as this like noble, upstanding guy, and he ends up being somebody who just shoots his wife in a, in a train yeah. carriage. Well, they were, they were really upset. With yeah, that. yeah, yeah. You you probably understandably go, eh, I'm not interested. No, 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 um, Kirsten Scott Thomas said of her role, "I die on page twenty five, but I die in the arms of Tom Cruise, so it's worth it." <laughs> oh, bless. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was good. She was great. She wasn't there for long. Yeah. She wasn't there for a long time. She was there yeah. for a good time. Yep. <laughs> uh, An old Tom Cruise canoodling. Yes, and let's finish with potential alternate Ethan Hunts. So these are actors who were considered for the role, or you know, potentially offered it and turned it down. Yeah. I just want a simple sort of yes, no, whether or not you guys think they could have done uh, a good enough job. Maybe not as good as Tom. Maybe you think they do better or a different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, go. Um. George Clooney. I think yeah. so. Yep. Mm. Yep. He was actually offered the part of Ethan Hunt, but turned it down because he was working on the film One Fine Day, Ooh. which uh, obviously we're waiting for uh, the sixth Fine Day sequel, which is coming out this year as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, sixth Fine Day. So obviously you've got to do an episode in you know when that comes out. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. Obviously, yeah, we'll do the One Fine Day. Well, I haven't seen that, classic. so I can do that. Yeah. Have you seen One Fine no. Day? I don't think anyone has. Okay. Oh well. Um, a couple Watch of George. couple of the elders. Uh, Bruce Willis. Nineties Bruce Willis. Mm. No. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be a very different film. I, it would I think be, be very completely different. different. Very He'd different. Have that Ethan Hunt. Wisecracking, yeah. smirky sort of um, everyman sort of thing going on, maybe which could work for it. But um, I don't think he'd be able to help himself though. I think it would yeah. be. I don't know. I just—he's such a grumpy bastard. Yeah. I just don't even like him anymore. Okay. He just said so not Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. Just, just cheer up, mate. <laughs> yeah, things are going okay. Okay. You're all right. Yeah. Um, John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> like, you gotta get the knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> no, so bad. I just imagine him and um, and Ving Rhames being in that scene at the end. So good. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it wouldn't be worth it. And he that. opens up that uh, rucksack he's got, and gold light comes out. Yeah. It'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so probably a no to John. No. Um, Nicholas Cage. Oh yeah, the knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'd love it. What, what I mean, you... I think him in anything, trying mm. to try any role mm. at all, would be amazing, especially where he, where he is at now. But, Do you um, think we would have another five Mission Impossible films, though? Honestly, no, we yeah. wouldn't, but we'd have maybe Nicholas Cage the best. in Mission Impossible 6. <laughs> no. No, I think... But it'd be worth it just for that one that he did, yeah. and then the whole franchise is dead. Maybe they should have done it like James Bond, where they just change the actor every couple of films. So we could have a Nicolas Cage, and yeah. then we George could have uh, the next one. Yeah, George Lazenby. Yeah. And then we could have the next one on this list, which is uh, Ray Fiennes. Yeah. I, I, I could I, see him I would totally. gen- When I was reading this, I was like, Ray Fiennes is the one that jumped out at me. Is like, ooh. I yeah. want to see him in this type of film, like yeah. a Jack mm. Reacher, like something where it's him. Because, we, we, well, I mean, we've seen him... As as M, yeah, um, you know, on the other side of things exactly. in yeah. the more recent James Bond films, mm. um, but pardon you, yeah, um, Schindler's List, stuff. yeah, yeah. I could just see him, just yeah, being very posh, and uh, I could I could see it working. I could totally see it working. He's yeah. brilliant. He, uh, yeah, he could totally do it. Do you reckon you can do that for his Ethan? Ah, oh, but that it were so simple. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? But it were so impossible. And finally on this, uh, Mel Gibson. Oh, 90s Mel Gibson. So he's in the middle of a couple of lethal weapons. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't quite got to well, lethal weapons. He hasn't weapon. got to lethal weapons four, four yeah. Um, Save him for another franchise. What, William, what Women Want, I think he was just about... <laughs> that, I, I don't know. No, that was a few years later, I'm yeah, pretty sure. I, yeah. I, I still think he's probably maybe a bit too old. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I'd... But no, you know what? I reckon he could do it, actually. Because mm. I think he, he's like Tom Cruise, where he, yeah. he's, he's like the same person every time mm. but he delivers uh what needs to be delivered yeah. what, for whatever emotion you mm. need so but yeah we probably wouldn't have got to six mission impossible probably not mel no he might have maybe said a few things that might have put people off mm. 
one yeah. or two. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, all that remains is to score the film. Uh, so we'll start with you, Aaron, because this was your first time watching. What score would you give Mission Impossible out of ten? Um, out of ten, mm. I would give it. I would give it an eight, an eight out of ten, an eight dun 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 out of ten. <laughs> Lovely. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very well constructed. It it's, is. I was genuinely surprised how much I enjoyed it and how, I think, different for a 90s action film it was. Mm. Um, Jago, you've already said this is one of your... Well, it's your favourite Mission Impossible film and it's a film that you've watched again and again, but what score are you going to give it out of 10? Oh, look, realistically, I'll give, give it a solid 8 as well. Give it 8 red light, green lights, out mm. of 10. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in the same ballpark. I, I, I'm... I think it's maybe a scooch lower for me, just mm-hmm. in that. It's it's a solid film. I did find myself, whilst watching it, though, not completely captured by it. Like, yeah. and I, It's not one of the most outstanding films ever made, no, but it's one of the better films in that genre. And I think it does a lot with little. Like, there aren't yeah. a huge amount of action set pieces which are clunking up this film. It moves at a good pace. It's uh, an hour and 50 minutes, but it doesn't feel that long. It feels like a 90-minute film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, it's just a it's just a good film. Yeah. It, and it's if you haven't seen Mission Impossible, I'd say definitely watch it. Um, and then maybe skip two and watch the rest, uh, according yeah. to Jago. But uh, yeah, I would give it... Um, I'm going to give it seven and a half mysterious rat deaths out of ten. <laughs> I think it's... Um, yeah, I think it's a really solid film, and uh, it was it was an absolute pleasure to to watch with you guys. So, uh, Luke Jago and Aaron Van der Clay, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Thank you. Thank you. And for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening in. Um, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to go to our Facebook page and like it to get all the um, information and updates about the Cinema Catch Up Club podcast. Um, we have, of course, next week our audience reviewed episode coming up. Our audience chosen film for us to review, uh, Mad Max Fury Road, is coming up. So, uh, nice. if you want to be part of polls for future films, uh, make sure you're there. We're also on Patreon. Just search for uh, patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast and you can become an official member of the club there. And, of course, make sure that you are subscribed via iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts and enjoy it from there. But until next time, goodbye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.